welcome to um, welcome to church this morning. Whether you're joining us locally in Southern California or from anywhere in the world on our online church platforms, we thank you so much for being here. My name is Pastor Chris, and there is so much going on right now in this church and in this movement, and we are so glad that you are part of that. One thing that Matthew mentioned a few moments ago in announcements is next week, which is the 31st, is that January 31st? I'm looking back at the AV team to tell me, 31st. On the 31st, we're going to be live and in person. So if you're in Southern California, you can find, um, I'm gonna ask Allie to put up a, a, a link to where we're going to be in the chat room. So whether you're on uh, the, the Paris or the digital online or the Facebook, She's going to put a link there. You can come and join us live and in person at 10 a.m. next Sunday. And we're going to be here, too. So if, uh, if you're not in Southern California and you want to watch, you can still watch. We're going to be live next week as well. Let me tell you something. There is a reason that I start every sermon with the same words. I ask you to open your Bibles. And honestly, it's because I want you to physically open your Bibles, whether it be a, a book, an actual paper Bible that you have, I want you to open that up. If you are in one of our online platforms at paris.online.church or in digital.online.church, you will find a Bible link in there. Click on that. You should have access to numerous different uh, versions, and I want you to click on that so that you can have a Bible right there in front of you this morning as we work through our, our service. And let's make that a habit. This morning I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles up to the New Testament Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to be in chapters 24 and 25 this morning as we conclude our beginning of the year sermon series called All In. Today we're focused on All In for Eternity. In Matthew chapter 24, we see Jesus and the disciples. They are, the, the, the setting of this is the week that Jesus has gone to Jerusalem. At the beginning of the week, he walked into Jerusalem on a donkey. And now he is, it's about Tuesday or Wednesday, and he's going to walk back from Jerusalem to the city of Bethany, where he is staying for the week. At the end of the week is going to be a crucifixion. On their way back from Jerusalem to Bethany, Jesus and the disciples are going to, they're going to walk over a, a hill and they're going to stop and look down on the city of Jerusalem for a few moments. It is a hill that we know as the Mount of Olives. And it is here that Jesus is going to give his last recorded sermon that is referred to as the Olivet Discourse. I can only imagine that as Jesus and the disciples are walking from Jerusalem back to Bethany, they come to the top of the hill, and maybe they stopped at the top of the hill to catch their breath. Maybe they turn around and they look down on the city of Jerusalem. Maybe they see the, the candlelight coming out of the windows of some of the homes and of the temple. And the, disciple, the disciples who have been following Jesus around for three years now, they have heard him talking about his departure. And maybe they sit down and they look at the city and they decide it's time to bring up this very in-depth conversation with Jesus. They want to know details. They want to know details about the future. Come with me to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to start in verse number 1. It'll be up on your screen. 
Jesus left the temple area and he was going on his way when his disciples came up to a point. Uh, they came up to point out the temple buildings to him. So they're up on the Mount of Olives, they're looking down. But he responded to them and he said, Do you not see these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down. He's looking and he's talking about the temple. <clears throat> And he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Verse number 36 of the same chapter, it says this. Jesus says, But about that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. <clears throat> Jesus is saying, As the Son of God... I don't even know right now when this is going to happen. In our world, it is pretty common for people to wonder about what's next. Even in our Christian circles, people try and, and figure out what the Bible says and when it's going to determine when is the end of the world coming? When is Jesus coming back? As early as 30 years after the crucifixion of Jesus, which we, we've put on the calendar between 29 AD and about 33 AD, only 30 years later, a Jewish sect of, of uh, believers called the Essenes predicted the return of Jesus and the end of the world, or the return of the Messiah, and the end of the world by 65 or 70 AD. This is before even the book of Revelation is written yet. And that didn't happen. In the early 2000s, you might remember this, people worldwide started to pay attention to the Mayan calendar. The calendar supposedly predicted that the end of the world would come on December 21st of 2012. You might remember that. People worldwide started to prepare for the end of the world by purchasing survival kits. There was even a man in China who built a modern-day Noah's Ark that was designed to carry him and his family into Armageddon and, and to protect his family. And on December 12th, or 21st, 2012, nothing happened. A very high-profile gentleman by the name of Harold Camping in May of... He had predicted that May of 2011 would bring the end of the world based on his interpretation of numerology or numbers in the Bible. He said that, that May of 2011, May 21st exactly, was seven years, 7,000 years after the biblical flood. And he thought that's going to be the day that Jesus is going to come back. When... May 21st, 2011, came and nothing happened. He went public and he said, okay, my math was wrong. It's actually, I was off by a few months. It's actually going to be October 21st of 2011. Guess what happened? Nothing. Harold Camping was wrong. In 1806, in a city called Leeds in England, a, no joke, a household chicken appeared to lay eggs that were inscribed with the message, Christ is coming. 
and people would flock to England and they were looking at this chicken and they were seeing these eggs and then people would leave and they would go home and they would prepare their families and they would prepare for life after Armageddon because they saw a chicken egg. You know what happened? It was soon discovered that what was happening is that the owner of this chicken had taken eggs and had written in a very corrosive ink the words, Christ is coming. And I feel bad about this. He inserted these eggs back into the chicken. And people would show up and they would see this chicken lay these eggs. The one thing that all of these predictors had in common is that they failed to read and fully understand Matthew chapter 24, verse number 36. Jesus himself actually said, but about the day and the hour, no one knows, not only, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Let me tell you something. In case you're wondering, there is no chicken in the world that knows when Jesus is going to come back. So why are we talking about this in a sermon called all in for eternity. Why is this the last sermon of our sermon series as we kick off 2021? The reason is point number one in your notes this morning. For those of you who are taking notes, I want you to write this down. This will be up on your screen. Always be ready for the return of Jesus. There is no getting ready once he has returned. Such an important point. All throughout the ministry of Jesus, the Bible says that he is going to come back and he's going to come and gather his church, but believers are always supposed to be ready. Being ready is making sure that, that you, that we are secure in our faith and are secure in our salvation, but also you and I are given the Great Commission. That means that we are to go out and we are to spread the gospel to Jerusalem, to Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth and make disciples and make sure everyone else is ready. And for some reason in our culture, though, we have this idea that it is perfectly legitimate, that it is okay to wait till the very last minute. We are plagued with procrastination in our culture for everything. We don't like to do things until we have to do things. We try and put things off that are until they are important to us. I wonder if you know somebody in your life who is like this. Or maybe it's you. Do you know somebody who does Christmas shopping all year long? Maybe you know grandma who would buy gifts in... May, June, April, and she would hoard them. She would hold onto them in a closet all year long until it came time for Christmas. She would put name tags on them. She would wrap them up, and she would give the gifts to the grandkids. Now, if you are a Christmas shopper who procrastinates, you know what is going to happen every year if you try and go and do Christmas shopping on New Year's Eve you know that you're going to have some of the longest lines in the store. If you were in 1982 and you tried to go out and buy your kid on Christmas Eve to buy your kids Cabbage Patch dolls, let me tell you what is not going to happen and what is going to happen. First, 
you're not going to find a Cabbage Patch doll on Christmas Eve of 19, nine, uh, 1982 to give to your kids. And let me tell you what is going to happen on Christmas morning. You are going to have some crying kids because you didn't prepare. But let me tell you what else is going to happen. Your kids very well might get that Cabbage Patch doll that they were out, if you remember the 80s. They very well might get that. You know why? Because Grandma was prepared. Grandma went out and she was buying gifts six months ago. She's been getting ready for a long time. If you are waiting to give your life to Jesus until the last minute, you need to know that the time is right, right now. Not even Grandma knows when the Lord is coming back. But the one thing that we could learn from, from Grandma is that she is prepared. Jesus tells us to be prepared because nobody knows. What he told the disciples, he says, as the son, I don't even know. As he's telling them right then, you might be able to get away with giving a, a Christmas gift late. But you're not going to have an opportunity to find salvation late. You don't get a second chance at salvation. You don't get a second chance after the end of your life, after your last breath, there is not a second chance to tell God, you know what, God, I'm, I'm ready now. I'm good. The time is right. See, it's too late to prepare to run a marathon once the marathon has already started. And it's too late to accept that gift of salvation that is offered to you once your time, once your life here on earth is over. The Bible makes it very, very clear. The right time to go all in with Jesus for eternity is right now. You know when Christmas is coming. You know when somebody's birthday is coming. One of the saddest excuses for not getting somebody a birthday gift on time is simply saying this, and I've heard this, you may have heard this, oh, I'm sorry, I just ran out of time. I just ran out of time to get you a gift, I'm sorry. You didn't run out of time. You've known when that birthday was coming. You knew when your brother's birthday was coming. You've known for 365 days when that birthday was coming. You had plenty of time. You've known for 46 years. Your brother's birthday is every single year on the same exact day. It never changes. But now we're talking about something so much more important than your brother's birthday. We're talking about something that you don't know when it's going to happen. Why do so many people continue to walk towards eternity unprepared? Even deeper than that, why do so many Christians walk towards eternity alone without making sure that they have their friends and their family tight in their hand? If you are not saved by the grace of Jesus, your time could be limited to this single breath that you are drawing right now.
But if you're here this morning and you are saved by the grace of God, and if your eternity is secure with Jesus, you need to know that at this time, right now, your mom might be drawing her last breath. Your dad might be drawing his last breath. Your brother, your sister, their time might be limited to their very last breath right now. If we are telling ourselves that we're going to wait until the last minute to introduce others to the salvation of Jesus, isn't it on us to feel ashamed if their last breath is taken before we even spoke with them? That's part of our job just like they don't expect it. You don't expect it. Nobody expects it. Look what Jesus continues in his conversation with his disciples in Matthew chapter 24, where in verse number 37, Jesus says this, For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like in the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking until the day of Noah entered, until the day that Noah entered the ark. Verse number 40, at that time, this is the time when Jesus comes back, there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill and one will be taken and one will be left. Verse number 31 of chapter 25, watch this. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate from them he will separate them from one another just as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep on his right but he will put the goats on his left Matthew 25:46 says this these will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life Here's the second point in your notes this morning that I want you to write down. This is so important. Both the saved and the unsaved will be cast into eternity. Both the saved and the unsaved will be cast into eternity. Some people in our world have this idea that once you die, that's it. You just cease to live. Some people have this misconception that all roads lead to heaven. And no matter what you believe or what you follow, you are going to end up in an arena of eternal bliss for eternity regardless. And there are some people that believe that when you die, if you, if you weren't good enough to spend eternity with Jesus the first go around, that you're going to be put in this eternal waiting room. And what happens here is your friends and family back on earth, they can pray hard enough or, or they can give enough penance on your behalf to move your spirit from the waiting room into heaven. Let me tell you something. The Bible doesn't say that. Some of these same people that are going to quote scripture and they're going to claim to be Christian and they'll say things like, all things work together for good. They'll quote that, but then they'll refuse to recognize Matthew 25, 46, that says 
that those who are saved will go away to eternal life with Jesus, but those others who are not will go into eternal punishment. And then that's it. There's this idea that I can go into punishment, but I can fix things later. See, when it comes to our salvation, there is no fixing things later. There's only fixing things now. I know we have a hard time understanding how long eternity actually is. Some people think that some people might think that my sermon this morning is going on for an eternity, but I promise you it's not even close. I want you to think about the greatest pain that you have ever been in in your entire life. Maybe it's an emotional pain. Maybe it's a physical pain. Maybe, maybe at one point you may have burnt your finger. You know how long it took to heal, how long that really hurt. Maybe, and I know this sounds very elementary, maybe you burnt your tongue on hot chocolate. You remember how long that hurt, right? The worst pain that you have ever been in in your entire life is not even close to what is in store for those who have not accepted the salvation of Jesus. The longest time that you have suffered in your entire life is only a split second of torture compared to what happens to souls that burn for eternity in a lake of fire. I don't know what the deepest pain that you've gone through in your life is. It might be heartache. It might be emotional pain. It might be a deep depression that you have been in for a year, two years, three years. And to look at that depression and say that is joyous compared to an eternity separated from God, that depression is absolutely joyous. Let me tell you why. Because all throughout that depression that you've been in for years, God has still been there. You can still talk to him and he can still listen and he will still listen to you. You can look around earth and you can see his majesty in nature. In the lake of fire, you will see no majesty of God in nature. He does not listen. You are separated from God for eternity. Some people will say, you know what, if I just, if I just had a sign, if somebody could just tell me what, it, what it's like, if I could just see what it's like on the other side, if I could see that torment, you know what? I would believe, and I could change things right now if I just knew. And you know what? I don't think you would. Jesus doesn't think that you would. As a matter of fact, he actually addressed that objection back in Luke chapter 16. He told this parable. It'll be up on your screen in just a moment. Luke chapter 16, I'm going to start in verse number 19. Jesus tells this parable and he says, Now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and in fine linen, and enjoying himself in splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate covered with sores, and longed to be fed from the scraps which fell from the rich man's table. Not only that, the dogs were also coming and licking his sores. 
Now it happened that the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's arms. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, this is hell, and in hell, he raised his eyes, being in torment, and he saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his arms. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue. For I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, Remember that during your life you received your good things and likewise Lazarus, bad things, but now he is being comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm that has been set so that those who want to go from here to you will not be able to, nor will anyone, people, be able to cross over from there to us. And he said, Then I request of you, Father that you send him, Lazarus, to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them so that they will not come to this place of torment as well. But Abraham said, no, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. But he said, no, Father Abraham, but if somebody goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, mm -mm. if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if somebody raises from the dead. You know what he's saying? Here's a man who is asking for his family to be given a second chance. He's saying that I know for sure now, I didn't believe before, I know now, but if somebody will please leave hell and go and warn my family, tell them what I'm going through right now, they will come, they will understand, they will believe. Here's the application for you. Right now is the time to warn your family. If anyone here is watching this morning and dies without knowing the saving grace of Jesus and is to spend eternity in hell separated from God, you're going to do the same exact thing that that, that man did. And you're going to ask somebody to go back and talk to your family, somebody to go back and warn your family. And do you know what the response is? The response is this. You had a chance to warn them. It was your job. You had a chance to tell them about the salvation that comes with walking with Jesus. And you put it off. And now it's too late. The time is now. You have been told. You have been warned. Your family has been told. And your family has been warned. Some people rely upon their family and their family history. Maybe they rely on their on their religion to get them into heaven. Some people think that because they were good people, they gave money to the poor. Some people think that, that they've lived an upright life. 
and that people looked up to them and, they, and they've done well and they're going to make it to heaven because they're good enough. Look what Jesus says here. We're in Matthew chapter 19, verse number 23. Jesus says this, And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say to you, it will be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. When the disciples heard this, they were astonished and they said, well, then who can be saved? And, they, and looking at them, Jesus said, with people this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And then Peter responded to him, to Jesus, and he said, Behold, Jesus, we have left everything and followed you. Then what will be there for us? And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you that you who have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man sits upon the glorious throne, you shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or farms on account of my name will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. Here's the third and final point that I want you to write down this morning. Following Christ might come with earthly costs, but it brings eternal rewards. What significance are our possessions here on earth compared to a life with Christ? What good is a large house here if our soul ends up burning in a lake of fire? What good is a healthy bank account if it does nothing to save our soul? We're going to have to give up something to follow Jesus? Yep, absolutely. Is it healthy? Yeah, it very well is. The wonderful thing about the Bible is that it gives us an, an instructions for so many areas of our lives. Following Him, following the direction that He's given for us, it's not simply that, that the Bible restricts us. No, the lifestyle that the Bible gives us protects us. God does spell out this healthy position for us and followers of Him. You know what the Bible says about heaven? Let me just list a few things that it says about heaven. It says that God in heaven will wipe away every tear from their eyes, the eyes of His followers, His children. How many tears have you cried recently? What if God was the one wiping them away? It says that death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning, any sorrow, any crying, any pain, any shame. It says that the Lord bestows riches on all of those who call on Him. That there are treasures in heaven that neither moth nor rust will destroy. 
and where thieves will not break in and steal. It says this, this is amazing. He will transform our lonely bodies to be like his glorious body. How many of us are ready to give up and to transform our lowly bodies that are broken down, that are tired, that can't run anymore, that have parts that don't work, to have a glorious body like the one of Jesus? Let me tell you what the Bible also says about hell. It refers to it as a lake of fire that, that burns with fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet will be tormented day and night forever, where smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. How tired are you now? But imagine being in a world of fire and sulfur and torment, and there is no rest from that torment. I wonder if there's ever been a, a time in your life when you just said, you know what, I just, I'm really ready for this torment. I'm really ready for this to stop. Here, we live in a world of seasons. There's a time for everything. Ecclesiastes tells us that there is a time for everything, which in our world as followers of Christ, we know that, that this too shall pass. Let me tell you, in hell, this torment never passes. It never stops. It's a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Bible says that God, God did not even spare the angels when they sinned, but he cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness. It is where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. God loves you. He absolutely loves you. But there is justice for sin. It wouldn't be justice, and he wouldn't be living up to his promises if there were second chances. There is one chance, and that chance right now, while you have breath, is right now. God knows the vast difference between heaven and hell. Do you know how bad God wants to live with you? Sometimes we look at eternity and we think about ourselves. We say, you know what? I really want to spend my entire afterlife. I want to spend eternity with Jesus. I want to spend eternity in heaven. I, I, I. I want you to think about how much God wants to spend eternity with you. You know how bad? Let me tell you how bad. We find out how bad in John chapter 3. Verse 16, it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved you. Sometimes we listen to sermons like this, and we think it's all about us. 
and what we have to do to spend time with God, to be in God's presence for eternity. We think about what we do, but we forget what it is that God has already done. See, we can't live with God in the presence. We can't live in his presence with our sin. You and I, we can't take our sin baggage with us. Sin has consequences. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. I want you to think of wages. What are wages? Wages are what you earn. They're your paycheck. You go to work and you exchange your time for wages. That is what you earn. You know what your sin earns? Death. Death. Spiritual death is spiritual separation from God. That's what we have earned. On our best day, we earn the flames. On our best day. But so long ago, God himself knew that you and I can't spend eternity with him on our own. You know how bad he wants to live in eternity with you? He's already set the stage for you to live with him. That's how much he loves you. Is that God put the cost of your sin on his son and then watched his son die. His death is your wages. He handed and he put what you earned on his son to pay your wages. You know why? Because he loves you that much. And because he wants to spend eternity with you that bad. He's just waiting for you to accept that gift to accept that sacrifice on your behalf. And still some people think that they're going to do it on their own. So you know what? Jesus thinks, but I got this. I'm going to do this. Let me tell you the truth. You're not going to get to heaven on your own. The furthest that we could get on our own is paying our own price is earning our own wages and dying our own death. You're only going to get there. You're only going to get to eternity. You're only going to go all in in eternity with Christ by accepting the blood sacrifice of Jesus. Finally, I want to read you what Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew chapter 24, verse number 42. Jesus says this, therefore, be on alert, for you do not know the day that your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of night that the thief was coming, he would have known. 
he would have been on the alert and he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you must be ready as well. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think that he will. You don't know. I don't know. The angels don't know. Harold Camping doesn't know. The Mayan calendar doesn't know. A chicken in England doesn't know. It is our job to be prepared. And it is our job to make sure that those among us are also prepared. We are to go and make disciples. We are to go and let others know that your time to come to Christ is right now. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. I'm going to ask David to come up. There is not another opportunity that is guaranteed for you past this moment. If you are here this morning, either in person or online, I'm going to ask you not to end this service without knowing for sure that your heart is in the hands of Jesus. I'm going to ask you now to think about who is it in your life that needs a phone call from you right now after service because this is so important. If we are going to go all in with Jesus for eternity, we need to understand how important this is. Would it be fair to say that everyone here in this room or everyone online probably knows or have heard of somebody through this pandemic who lost their life and didn't expect it? People we say, wow, he was way too young. She was way too young. We have no clue. You don't know how much time you have left to talk to them. Is it a hard conversation? It could be. I'd rather have that hard conversation now than to be the one to say, I can't go back and tell your family because you had a chance. Now is the time. Will you pray with me? Lord, I want to thank you this morning. I want to thank you for the reminder that eternity is now. And thank you for the reminder that there's so many people in our life who we are given instructions to talk to. Lord, and to thank you for giving us the tools to tell people about you. And Lord, this morning, I pray that nobody leaves this, this service online or in person that walks back into their day, that walks back into their life without knowing that they have security and salvation. If you're here this morning and you don't know whether you don't know for sure I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me this morning. 
Jesus, I know that you are the only way that I could spend eternity with you. That you are the only one who has paid for my sins. And Lord, I come to you and I acknowledge your sacrifice and I accept your sacrifice on my behalf. Lord, I recognize my sin is being what is between me and eternity with you. And I thank you for your death on the cross on my behalf. You didn't have to, but you did it because you loved me that much. You did it because so long ago you knew that I couldn't do this. And that and that you went to the cross so that you and I could spend eternity together. That I could walk the streets of gold with you. That I could spend eternity in heaven with you. So that I could spend eternity with friends and family. Lord, I ask you to, I ask you into my heart and ask you to lead my life. And Lord, I ask that you give me the courage to step up to others in our world. give me the strength to bring others and don't let me walk into eternity into heaven empty handed but Lord I want to take everyone with me that I know Lord this morning hear our worship and hear our praise we love you we praise you and we pray all of this in Jesus name Amen